The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's a Monday PFTOT, the extra show where we talk about things we didn't get to during PFT Live or things that we just want to talk about some more. And who doesn't want to talk about the Antonio Brown situation, Chris Sims? But what we're going to do now, instead of talking about what's happened, let's get very concrete and specific about what happens next. Grievance arbitrator making a decision on whether or not Antonio Brown will be required to wear a helmet other than the one that he's worn for the last 10 seasons. What will that decision be? I can't expect it being anything other than Brown has to wear one of the approved helmets. So then, Chris, the question is, does he comply? Does he submit or does he try to find some other way to get his way? This is a guy who always gets his way, and I feel like he's not going to go quietly on this one. It's a matter of ego. It's a matter of pride. It's a matter of winning and losing. I I can't help but wonder whether he's going to try to come up with some other way to, to go to court, to do something, to appeal to the commissioner personally, to get permission to wear that helmet. Well, I don't think it's the end of this. I'll say that much. Now, I, you know, again, we, we know this guy, you know, can, can dance with, you know, craziness at times. And he's certainly dancing with it right now. We've never seen anything like this. Uh, but I don't think he's crazy enough to leave $30 million guaranteed on the, on the table and, and walk away from that. So I do think he comes to his senses. Now, the question is, yeah, does he let this does he continue to let it fester? I mean, does he wear the helmet during like interviews at his locker room and things like that just to like annoy people or or show that he's still not happy about it? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he pulled some sort of antics like that or something like that. But either way, I, I really think when he does get the final word here, he's gonna be welcomed back to the Oakland Raiders with open arms. And that then will start the building up of of Antonio Brown through John Gruden's eyes and his, you know, and the way he can do that to the team and everything and endearing him back with the football team and everything like that and getting him back indoctrinated with the offense and and their their organization to where they can start feeling positive again. But uh, I, I would think that's coming this week to where at least he's back out there playing ball as long as his feet feet allow him to. And, you know, and we've referred kind of tongue-in-cheek to Antonio Brown as crazy throughout the day. And, and I don't mean to make light of mental illness. And, and it could be. It could be there is something wrong with his wiring that needs to be addressed, right? It could be that he's not making rational decisions. And the people close to him, if he won't listen to reason, need to suggest that Antonio Brown get some sort of help. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is a common problem in today's society, especially for a guy who has played football at a high level and has taken some blows to the head. It is. It, it may be that he's not capable of processing things the way that he should. And I think that's where the, the people close to him, family and and agents and lawyers need to say, A B, are, are you, you, you? Do we? Do, you know, are you? Are you, you really? You're going to retire from football over this? Do you really understand what that means? Right. Do we really? You know, do we need something to talk to somebody else to help you understand this? Because I don't see a guy who is going to back down, and and I think he needs some. If he can't have sense talked to him, someone needs to recognize that maybe there's something more going on here. And yeah. and, and I don't want anyone to think that we're 
Because you know, it, it could be that there is something wrong with Antonio Brown that needs to be addressed, that he's not making rational decisions because there is nothing that seems rational about any of this unless it really is driven by ego and vanity and, and just a desire to get his way. Yeah, I want my I way. So. I've always gotten my way. Right. And, and, and we're going to find out. Once that, once that arbitrator makes a decision, if Antonio Brown shows up in a new helmet, Everything's fine, but I have a, there's no way it's going to go that easily. This is not, this, this isn't like, you know, they make a decision on whether or not there was a penalty and the game just keeps going. I have a feeling it's going to be strange, unusual, and dramatic before Antonio Brown is ever on a field again. Yeah, my, my God, I mean, I, I, I think there'll be something dramatic too. Um, I think to what you're saying too with Antonio Brown, you know, I, I don't think he's legitimately crazy. I don't think that. I'm saying that in the fact that I think this whole scenario is crazy. I mean, if he's crazy, he's one hell smart, crazy guy with the way he got himself out of Pittsburgh. He's the craziest damn schemer, smart guy I've ever seen, okay? Um, where I do worry about Antonio Brown, though, and we're just like, if we're just to worry about Antonio Brown, right? This is where he's hurting himself. It's not right now, and it's not with the Oakland Raiders, but you know, two years from now, if the Oakland Raiders decide, okay, you know, hey, we paid him enough money, he's not worth the price anymore, or whatever, we're going to move on. The antics he's pulling right now are really going to affect his next contract or his next football team to where it's not going to give him the benefit of the doubt with the other 31 teams in the NFL or 30 teams because we can cancel the Steelers and the Raiders out of that conversation and that's what he's got to worry about if he was looking for one little other small payday when this was all said and done in Oakland uh, he's not helping himself with this stuff right now this is a time when the NFL seems to be looking for ways to allow great players to play, whether it's being more lenient than they've been under the substance abuse policy, more lenient than they've been under the personal conduct policy, not trying to fashion reasons to keep great players off the field. But I think they reached their limit with a guy like Antonio Brown because the NFL does not like to start making exceptions for anyone. It is ultimately our way. And this is very simple. If they're going to freeze out Colin Kaepernick on very questionable and improper grounds, they're not going to hesitate to tell Antonio Brown, leave. If you don't want to play, leave. There are plenty of other people who will play. You are being irrational. You are being selfish. You are being delusional. And ultimately, the choices are simple. Show up. And, and he and Chris, I can't say this enough. He doesn't have to play well to get $30 million over right. the next two years. Right. He doesn't even have to make the team. Let's say he shows up in a new helmet and he just can't play football anymore. It's like Samson getting his hair cut by Delilah. He's done. He still gets $30 million over the next two years. That's what... That's why the idea that he would not play football anymore is so ridiculous. But the problem is when pride takes over and your ego writes that check, sometimes guys do pretty stupid things and they think, I don't need any more money. I've made my money. It's $30 million that you make for just showing up and working. That's what's going to be fascinating to me. Will he show up? What else will he do? Will he try to go to court? Will he try to go here? Will he try to go? What will he do? Will he try to appeal to the president? Who knows what this guy will try to do? But uh, it, it's uh, d- definitely entertaining. There will be more drama, and we'll see how it plays out. We'll be updating it all week long at ProFootballTalk.com, PFT Live, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. You'll hear about it everywhere on every platform that we have. All right. Something that we haven't heard about as much as I thought we would through week one of the preseason the replay review procedures for pass interference. Only 14 red flags thrown in the 16 games played between Thursday and Saturday night. 
Chris, we need to have these flags thrown more often. We need to have more reps for this system. I know it slows down the preseason games, but we all need to get an idea of what it's going to be like. The coaches need to know. The fans need to know. The media needs to know. Al Riveron needs the reps. The the replay officials in the stadium and the referee going over talking to Al Riveron. While, all of that stuff. It needs to be worked on now so they can spot any problems, fix them, or if nothing else, just be ready to go when that first game of the season rolls around in only three weeks and three days. I, I'm, I'm surprised it was, what, 16? Is that what we said it was, the amount of challenges from this past week? I mean, I, I'm, I am surprised with that number. I thought it would probably be more than that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I don't want it. I don't want to see it because I don't want it to slow down and bog the games down, even in the preseason. Hey, the preseason games, they're not the most exciting things to watch on all the television history anyways. So to have that aspect of it – can be a little annoying, but I understand your point. And the more that the these plays are challenged, the more we can flush out these unintended consequences, like the play we talked about during the show today, which was, of course, that, that Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals, oh, challenge to see if it was offensive pass interference looked like it was to me wasn't called they left it on the field as an incomplete pass and you brought up all the right questions too you know what's the result of the play is that affecting the review and what's ultimately being decided within the review there I worry about that because that did look like OPI and I just I would love to continue to hear the dialogue and and I I, I, I hope at some point during this week we hear Al Riveron explain that play thoroughly to us so we can get a better feel of how they are officiating it and what he saw uh, so we're not kind of in the dark about some of these situations. Yeah, and uh, there needs to be transparency, but there also needs to be a recognition of how human nature will factor into this. And I am firmly convinced that non-call of offensive pass interference was driven by the fact that the ball wasn't caught by the receiver. And uh, as you pointed out, it could have been intercepted, but for the pass interference. If the, if the penalty happens, it needs to be called. And I will say this, the one time that, that I think it worked exactly the way it should by way of reversing a ruling on the field. It came earlier in that same game, Chiefs-Bengals, earlier in that same two-minute window where the replay official has the authority to activate replay review. Byron Pringle was hit early, blown up before the ball got there, and it was obvious. The defensive back dove into him, the ball came in, flag thrown, pass interference. That's what the rule is there to fix. Not, well, maybe he grabbed his wrist. Maybe he still could have caught it. The situation where the guy gets wiped out and the ball shows up later, that is the perfect opportunity to overturn a non-call of pass interference, and I applaud that one. I still don't like the one from Thursday night, Chris, with the Jets and the Giants. I still think it's not the high bar. That it needs to be at the moment you see it full speed, okay, it's interference. If you should have to watch it two or three or four times, it's not clear enough to overturn. But, but the that one was from clear Saturday on night, the field. You can't be mad at that just because you don't get it from your TV angle. There was obviously 90 people on the sideline, including a no. head coach, who saw it and they wanted it thrown. So, you know, once you saw the replay and you saw a clear view four times. Okay. Once I saw it four times. Okay. I still don't know that I still don't know that grabbing his wrist kept him from catching the ball. You're I still insane. Don't know that that That's absolutely insane. You're just being stubborn, Mike Florio, and your first take was you weren't sure and you won't back off of it. And you know that was pass interference. And you can't you can't argue all the things you just argued about the Chiefs Bengals game and then say you're not sure about that one when a guy held on to it for 
more than one count, more than two count, and he couldn't get his hand up there. So don't. You know that was P.I. Maybe I'm starting to understand why Antonio Brown refuses to change helmets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mr. All right, Big let's move Chest. On. Yeah, I, I just still think that it needs to be, before you're going to involve replay review for a subjective call, it needs to be very clear. And there need to be some that we may say, hey, you know what, it looked like interference, but it's got to be an obvious interference. Like Byron Pringle pushing the guy's head. Like Byron Pringle getting blown up by the Bengals defensive back. So, but again, throw the red flag more. Here's my point. Yeah. Coaches. Throw the red flag on every pass interference, call or non-call. One of the two coaches who ever got screwed, throw the red flag. Let's work this out. Let's have more examples that we can discuss. We can flesh it out and understand how this is going to work going forward. All right, in Washington, the quarterback competition is going to work like this. After the third preseason game, that's when Jay Gruden is going to make his decision. You know, ideally, you like to have the decision made before the third preseason game because that's the dress rehearsal. Chris, where do you think this one's going to go? I feel like it's going to be Case Keenum's job, ultimately. You know, Colt McCoy, I just feel like he's getting into this race too late, you know, too little, too late at this point. And it's probably why, you know, you made the point there. It's odd that they're going to say that after preseason game number three, but maybe they're just trying to give Colt McCoy a little extra time or one more game of evidence to make sure they make the right decision. Dwayne Haskins, I think, clearly is the most physically talented of the group, but he's raw. And we saw some of that rawness in the game uh, the other night against the Cleveland Browns. I feel like it's Case Keenum's job to lose at this point and really would be shocked, I think, if he wasn't the starter come week one. Yeah, I think it's his to lose, and the reality is he will lose it at some point. I mean, this strikes me as one of those quarterback competitions where the guy who wins the job wins the privilege to be the first guy benched. Because unless Case Keenum comes out and plays like he did in 2017 and everything clicks, at some point they're going to be struggling. At some point they're going to need a boost by week, whenever it may be for Washington. Something like that is going to be a time to say it's time for Dwayne Haskins. And, And why rush him into it? We saw a lot of rawness from Dwayne Haskins. There's good there. There's bad there. Why thrust him into the mix? prematurely now the other side of the coin Jay Gruden wants to win football game yeah that's right and you know maybe he goes with with the guy that that he thinks is going to help him win even if it's Colt McCoy let's try to win let's get hot and if it means Dwayne Haskins is on the bench all year long so be it but uh, I, I think you're right the longer this goes the more likely it is going to be Case Keenum as the week one starter and then we see whether or not he can hold the job all right Tom Brady did his first interview on WEEI of the season it's now the Greg Hill show on WEEI Tom Brady on every Monday morning he was asked about a variety of things one of which was the new contract that prohibits the Patriots from using the franchise tag in 2020 Brady said those are he was asked how he feels about being in a position where he's basically going to be a free agent next year. He said, those are personal feelings. There's a lot of personal conversations I've had that really aren't for other people's knowledge. I think what this is about is this season dealing with this year beyond this year, whether it's signing for five more years, signing a franchise tag, not playing. None of those things need to be decided this year. I think what it was was focusing on this season, being in the right mental, emotional frame of mind to go out there and perform at my highest level. Look, Chris, here's the thing. Tom Brady does not want to have a farewell tour. No. I firmly believe that. He doesn't want it to be about him. And I think people close to him would say he'd be too emotional if in the moment he knows this is my last year. And when he's emotional, he's not as effective. And he's been trying that 10 more years, play time 45, whatever, to never have this year be the last year. I'm starting to think this year is the last year, and he's never going to admit it because he doesn't want that 
Derek Jeter style farewell tour because it makes it too much about the player and not about the team. No, yeah, he doesn't want to deal with that, and he wants to keep his focus on winning number seven. That's what he wants, and of course, he's got a, a general behind him and Bill Belichick, who's certainly not going to like sing the swan song for him or anything like that, nor does he want to deal with any of that either. Just not in the Patriots' nature, and that's why they're the Patriots, and that's why I respect Brady and Belichick. It's always business. It's always winning, but uh, you know, to echo what you said there, to me, here is another thing. The contract we've talked about. Oh, the selling of the house. And here's some more comments that just give you a little inkling that this year could very easily be the last year. I mean, when he continually says this year, it's about this season and right now and this season, that in itself He's telling you right now, he's just trying to get through this year and we'll see. Now he tries to hide it a little bit about whether it's signing a five more years or assigning a franchise, but you know, you're reading between the lines right now. There is a lot of things that I think are pointing towards. This is a very real possibility. This is the last year of Tom Brady's career and the contract situation. I don't think explains that more than anything, because what is it, Mike? I mean, if he does decide he wants to retire and get away, New England's going to be on the hook for what? $13 million of dead money. As we've seen, that's not that's nothing for a guy like for what Tom Brady's done for his lifetime career here with the New England Patriots. They're gonna eat that 13 million if he decides he doesn't want to play. Heck, we just saw we just saw the the damn uh Pittsburgh Steelers eat $20 million for Antonio Brown and gave him away. So I don't think New England have any time there. I I it's all signs are pointing that this is it for Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And at a minimum, this is it in New England. The question is, does he want to keep going oh, beyond? Oh, here you go. I just, <laughs> I, I don't think he does. I don't think yeah. he does, no, but I, I just, it, hey, you, you just know. got to throw it out there. Hey, I know. listen, listen, here's the thing, Chris. You got to understand what you and I do for a living. You and I are here to make stories more interesting, not less interesting. Right. So don't shout down what could be one hell of a story for you and me to be talking about next year or really not that far away because that's the thing the way this is all structured we will know by the middle of March whether or not he's playing for the Patriots in 2020 we will know that because they're either going to they're either going to re-sign him or they're going to move on to somebody else when the middle of March rolls around next year all right last topic and before we get to this because this gets fed into the PFT PM feed and you may be watching it online let me give you a fair warning if you're not interested in any sort of political discourse, you can stop listening or watching now. And and trust me, I would love to stick to sports. Sometimes politics gets yanked onto sports. And we hear all the time reporters and players being told stick to sports. Well, is it fair, Chris, to turn that around on the owners and tell them to stick to sports? Stephen Ross isn't sticking to sports when he decides to host a $100,000 up to $250,000 per person fundraiser for the president. That's not sticking to sports, but nobody ever says that he should stick to no, sports. No, no, no. Why tell don't the... we say, why shouldn't they stick to sports? Because he's rich and he's white, and that's why. I mean, I don't know the way to sugarcoat it. 
You know, when LeBron James talks or something like that, yeah, there's a lot of rich white people and certain news uh, channels that they love to say it, but yet they don't ever turn it around on any el- anybody else that's that way or if they're white or rich or established like that. That's what it seems like to me. It bothers me. You know it does. I mean, that's it's such a, uh, you know, I don't even know. It's so hypocritical in so many ways. And, yeah, I haven't heard that one time this week. Not one thing is said about, oh, Stephen Ross, just stick to sports, stick to sports, or stick to, you know, what is he, real estate. Stick to real estate. I don't give a damn what you think about politics, Stephen Ross. Stick to what you do. I don't give a damn what you think. And then you set a pitiful example for people on your team and all these other causes that you're trying to work out and everything like that. You know, I mean, oh, guys, guys on the team are really going to believe that you're for the right cause there when you're supporting a guy who's, Got very questionable character along those kind of causes right now. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That just that gets me hot. I don't know what else to say. I, th- I think there's also a political playbook element to all of this. And, and again, we, we, look, we're embracing the political reality here for this last segment of PFTOT. But I think that the people who believe, like you and I believe, if someone expresses a disagreement or behaves in a way that expresses a different belief, we don't feel compelled to shout down at them, stick no. to sports. No. But on the other side, the people who Every have time. The, the more conservative beliefs, instead of confronting the disagreement, if if they hear anything they don't want to hear, they shout you down, stick to sports. Yes. That's a one-sided may, thing. May, no, it's a one-sided may, maybe, thing. Maybe they're the smart ones, because let me tell you, stick to sports may be a lot more effective than trying to have a reasoned conversation where you actually understand the other side's point of view and maybe adjust your thinking. But stick to sports prevents you from ever doing it. It is the equivalent of saying, I'm not listening. Stick to sports. Because let me tell you something, Chris, if you and I were espousing the views that are emanating from the Oval Office on a regular basis, no one who would be inclined to say stick to sports is going to tell us to stick to sports. No, no, agreed. And, you know, yeah, I just, um, I I don't even know what to say. It just looks like, you know, two rich rich white guys in New York sticking together. And then, you know, hey, this will bother me too. He's trying to argue that, you know, Trump is a centrist, really. Oh, he's a centrist, really. No, Mr. Ross, then you haven't been paying attention to the world the last three years. He's far from a centrist at this point. He's the most far-right thing we've ever seen at president. So, you know, that's some BS, too, and some more hypocrite. And I'd be bothered if I was on the Miami Dolphins team. And, you know, I understand why, you know, uh, Equinox and Solstice cycle you know hey yeah i'd be thinking about leaving my uh membership there too the ceo of the foundation he started the rise initiative yeah. for racial equality and social justice in sports she came out and said i wish he hadn't done that of by course. way of the fundraiser right so this this is not going to go away and I, I look i look at it this way it if 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 we're supposed to stick to sports if colin kaepernick is supposed to stick to sports if other athletes are supposed to stick to sports then then Stephen Ross should stick to sports too. Right, right. You can't have it both ways. No, you can't. And if he's not going to stick to sports and if he's going to engage in the political discourse, then the rest of us have the right to engage in the same discourse and express our beliefs. And we've probably done that. Not enough to get in trouble, but if we continue, we quite possibly will. So let's call it a day. That's it for PFTOT. Chris Sims Unbutton coming later today. PFTPM coming later today. And we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of PFT Live. Everybody have a great Monday. See ya.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.